It's that time of year. You got to figure out what to get that special someone for the holidays. And if you're like me, that isn't easy. Well, let us help you make it a little easier. How about some Apple AirPods? You know, we love those. And wait for it. It's free. From December 16th to the 20th, Himalaya will be giving away prizes like AirPods and Amazon gift cards every single day with a mystery grand prize worthy of joining. Simply download the Himalaya app in your app store and click on the holiday banner on the front page to enter so you won't show up to your holiday party empty-handed. Also, please, you guys, come and join our team. We're doing a run, 5K fun run for F Cancer in Ventura, California on February 23rd, 2019. We'd love you to join our team. We're making very cute t-shirts that are for Housewives of True Crime, February 23rd. Just Google F Cancer Ventura, California, and you will be directed to the runsignup.com form and type in our team, Housewives of True Crime. And since it is still the holidays, we are still giving away free swag, cute Housewives of True Crime sweatshirts. Just tag your friends, tell them why you love listening to us so they can also listen to us. And we're giving away a sweatshirt during the holidays. We've also teamed up with Beaded Bench and we're giving away a free pair of beautiful earrings. You guys are going to love them. Her stuff is dynamite. Check it out on Facebook and Instagram, Housewives of True Crime. Hi, and welcome to Housewives of True Crime. Welcome. Welcome. I am Tabitha. Give me Dateline, white wine, and I'll pick up your kids in the carpool line. The next day, right? Yeah, the next day. Okay. And I am Gretchen. I like white wine, true crime, and in bed by nine because I have a lot of stuff to do in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) We are housewives of true crime. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Hello, hello. Hello. And welcome. Welcome. Housewives of True Crime. It's getting closer to Christmas, Gretchy. Jingle, jingle. Y'all present up? No, I have so much to do still. It's like annoying. I do too. So today we're drinking some warm, hot wine. So festive. It's so festive. It's a German thing. So I was thinking just to um, say clink, clink to your neighbors. Tabitha likes to give me as much red wine as possible and see if I'm going to get a migraine. And thankfully, you haven't yet. I haven't. No, I haven't. It's because I got the good stuff over here. Yeah, she's got the good stuff. Kane household. Yeah. Uh, What are we talking about today? Give me a little glimpse because I'm real excited. That was a breath. A love story. (laughs) That was a real big breath. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you're talking about a love story. A love story. Oh, who doesn't love a good love story? A love story. Gone wrong. It's got to be gone wrong. Gone wrong. Okay. Well, before we get into that, Gretchy, your little love story, let -hmm. me tell you about another love story. Oh, tell me. That happened this weekend. Oh, okay. So one of my children was at a sleepover. Mm-hmm. The other two, the oldest and the youngest, were home. 
And, you know, it's a weekend. And so we were like, hey, go watch some cartoons and we'll be down in a minute. And we locked our door. Right. Well, they couldn't find their elves. So they were real interested in finding their elves and they kept knocking on the door. Can you help me find our elf? Can you help her find our elf? And so we're like, just give us a minute. We're going to sleep for five more minutes. And we were not sleeping. Right. You know. Door locked weekend. Got door it. Door locked weekend. Yeah. So all of a sudden, the master bedroom door, which happens to be on the second floor... And we have a balcony. Yeah. Opens. How would they even get in there? They scaled the outside of the wall somehow. Oh, my God. Climbed over the railing onto the balcony into my bedroom, which I don't know why it wasn't locked. But that's never going to happen again. Oh, yeah. And surprise. And surprise. Surprise. Did you traumatize your children? Burn their eyes? Listen. Thank the Lord Jesus that the curtains were closed. So they had to come through. Like I heard the door. And then, so it was PG at that point. Okay. But Kyla was like, oh my God, mom, your face is so funny. <laughs> she, she's like, you are so surprised. I'm like, oh yeah, I was. I hope you gave those little kids a talking to like, you know what? Mommy and daddy's door is locked. Let it go. <laughs> let it go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just let it go, actually, yeah. because I was so worried. Flustered. I was very flustered. I imagine. That Sean and I just were like, holy shit, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, buzzkill. For sure. For sure. Well, you know, I was a victim of a crime this weekend. You well, were? not this weekend, this week. Well, you went to the police station. I did. Mm-hmm. You put mm-hmm. it on Facebook. Actually, and it's it's re, it's related to elves because I took myself to the dollar store to go buy some balloons for okay. the arrival of the elf. That's right. That fucking elf. Okay? Yes. Such a love-hate relationship with that little shit. So anyways, yeah, went to the dollar store, bought some balloons and some other things. I get to the car. I realize I don't have my phone. Did you hear in your ear pod how it goes out? You know, yeah, it goes but, like, Meh. yeah, but I don't, I don't really pay attention. Okay. Okay. So I go back into the store and I have somebody, I'm like panicked and looking around for my phone and I ask if anybody has turned it in and they say no. And some nice lady offers to call my phone. A bunch of people are calling my phone and I hear a phone with my ring. Oh, well, it's just a generic ring though. Like ring and then go off. Like, oh. no one said hello. I never heard anybody say, like, hello. Like, they yeah. answered it. Yeah. So I'm like, someone has my phone. Motherfucker, somebody stole my phone. Someone stole my phone out of my pocket. <laughs> I was violated. <laughs> so get a new phone, blah, blah, blah. I'm on the cloud. You know, so fine. Right? So I decide I've been, you know, I need to report this to the police. So Gretchen the is day- an outstanding citizen. Right. Also, I have a true crime podcast, and so I figure, you know, I should be accountable for this stuff, right? (laughs) Set a good example. So I went to the police and um, waited for two hours for Deputy Ochoa to take my report. So he takes my report, and at the end, I say, 
okay, so like what's going to happen? And he's like, nothing, you know, nothing. Nothing's going to happen. I'm like, so the only way basically somebody would be held accountable is if they are like busted for something else and they have a bunch of stolen phones. And he's like, well, only if you reported the serial number linked to your phone. I'm like, okay, well, I can go home and get it. Can I like email that to you or something? And he's like, no, actually, if you want to do that, then you need to come back and file a different report with a different deputy. Like I would have to wait all over again. Oh my God. You know what? But I think if Gretchen had Officer Ochoa again, you might do it. Because the only thing I know about the story (laughs) is that Officer Ochoa, what's his name? Yeah, Ochoa. Yeah, he has a career with Thunder Down Under. Hot biscuit. Yeah, he was. Really, he really was. He really was. <laughs> you should tell him. Maybe he should have a side gig at Thunder Down Under and we'll go see him. Oh, my God. So I was like, well, no, I'm not doing that. So nothing is happening. But, Noth- you know, these people at the police department, I yeah. met some ni- you know, I spent some time there talking mm-hmm. to the volunteers. Mm-hmm. They were a real crack up. They felt real bad for me about my phone situation. They, this old man was like, you know, my my email, my pastor's email got hacked. They told him to, <laughs> he's like, they told him to send him some Target gift cards. He's like, I was on my way to the store. And then something told me I should just call my pastor and, and make sure. Oh my God, that is and so he is a funny. And he is a volunteer police person, <laughs> okay? These people that scam the old people. Okay, but let me get back to my phone. So life goes on, mm-hmm. get my new phone, mm-hmm. wasted a day of my life, much time, then get a phone call. Oh, and spent $300 on a new phone, right? I had insurance, but it still costs you a load of money. Yes. Get a phone call from the dollar store. They found my phone. Yes, they found your phone. Because <laughs> nobody in the store brushed up against your little boobies and stole your It's weird though, right? Okay, so here's my PSA for this though. If your phone is legit (laughs) stolen, don't report it unless you have the serial number. Okay. 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 Tell me about your love story about love after lockup. Let's tell it. Okay, today I'm going to tell you about a love story that happened in 1988 in Salt Lake City, Utah. Oh, were they Mormons? You know, I'm not sure of their religious affiliation, Tabitha, but I don't think so because it involves a bar. Okay. Okay. I had a real fun time in Salt Lake City before. They have really fun you bars. Did? I really have an affection for Utah, but I've only kind of driven through once. Okay. okay. You know, there's some crazy real estate in Salt Lake City. Oh, yeah. It's much more expensive than I thought it was going to be. Really? Tell me, how much is a house? Mm, I mean, like a normal house is like 400000 Yeah. I mean, there's some, like a lot smaller houses for less, but I mean, there's also some $10 million homes mm-hmm. in Salt Lake City. I know. Gorgeous homes. There's some rich mofos living in Utah. Well, listen, we can do a whole nother podcast on that one. Yeah. Okay. So back in 1987, Margie Danielson was a successful business owner. She owned her own cleaning business, 
and she owned her own home. She was doing pretty well for herself, even though she was freshly divorced and now a single mother raising her three daughters. Margie says that her first marriage to her girl's father failed because they were just too young when they got married. But even though it didn't work out, Margie was a hopeless romantic. She liked to read romance novels and stuff like that. She's like, she probably watched the Hallmark Christmas Channel. Or Hallmark Channel, you know, watched all those Christmas movies. Are you on your fucking phone? Sorry, I just was looking at that. Can you pay attention? <laughs> I just wanted to see that snowman sweatshirt you told me about earlier. <laughs> I actually can't believe it. Yeah. Pretty funny, right? Is it true? Yeah, I think so. I saw it on multiple news sources. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. So you love the Hallmark Channel. I don't love the Hallmark Channel. I don't get it at all. I just watched the movie Christmas at Dollywood with my husband because it was involving Dollywood and I thought it was the worst movie ever, except for the five minutes that Dolly Parton is in it. It's so corny. I don't even, I, I don't get it. People are like obsessed with those movies. Some people. Some people. Not me. I can't even watch TV, period. Hardly. Yeah. I definitely not follow this. Okay. So, but you get what I'm saying. I, she probably loved that channel and she probably bought Hallmark cards. Do you ever buy people cards that say like mushy stuff? Mm, sometimes. I never but do. I'm not that mushy of a person. So it it takes a lot out of me. Like I have to think about it and then do it. It's not just something in my nature. No. I mean, you know, more power to you if you are, but that's not me. That was Margie though. I like people that are like that. You do? It kind of makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) Of course it does. (laughs) Okay. So one night, Margie went out with her girlfriends to a country western bar. Love it. I love it. Okay. Country western, though, was not particularly Margie's scene. But there was one gentleman at the bar who was not wearing western wear. He was just wearing a white T-shirt and jeans. Love it. That's a good look. Mm -hmm. Okay. I like black T-shirt and jeans better, but I'll take white too. Okay. This guy's name was Sean Paul. He was originally from New Zealand. Mm. Mm -hmm. Margie immediately found him handsome and charming. He wasn't like my type at all, but everyone that describes him says he was super handsome. And what do I know? I don't think that John Legend is sexy and he's the sexiest man alive. I don't think most people think he's sexy. We've talked about that. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. So after they dance the night away, Margie and Sean exchange numbers and start talking on the phone every night. You know, girls like Margie eat that shit up, those late night conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not that conversational either. I liked, I liked when I was in high school and college and people, we would like fall asleep on the phone. Oh God, are you kidding me? And now I just want to sleep. Yeah. Okay. So Sean and Margie shared their life stories with each other as you do when you're feeling somebody catching feelings in the beginning. Sean had a really sad story though. Sean's parents and siblings had all been killed in a plane crash. Oh. Yeah. 
for anyone, but particularly someone like Margie, this kind of made Sean more endearing. She's like the real soft-spoken motherly type, you know? And his accent probably really played on those heartstrings. Right. So the relationship with Sean and Margie progressed, and the two went on several romantic dates. They had not been dating very long, and Sean took Margie to the gym where he liked to work out. He told her that he thought her and the girls should join the gym too, and that he would pay for it. And she was like, yeah, easy tiger. We've only been seeing each other a few weeks, and she had only been divorced a year, and she wasn't comfortable with another man paying for her life like that. Plus, you know, you got to tread carefully about, like, joining a gym for your woman. Like, is that a hint? Oh, my gosh. Can we just, like, side note really quick? Yeah. Did you hear about this Peloton ad? Yes, I did. People are up in arms about it because this guy gives his girlfriend or wife a Peloton, right? And she, did you watch the video? Yeah. And she goes on it for a year and says like, she's so thankful that he gave it to her. And they're saying that it's like so sexist, right? Like to give that, I didn't think it was so bad. I thought, dude, if my husband gives me a $2,500 exercise bike plus pays the $50 a month that it costs to run the bike, pretty nice gift. Yeah. No? Your husband did. That's why you're locking the door on Saturday mornings. (laughs) I do have a Peloton. Yeah. He did give it to me (laughs) as a gift. Do you use it ever? I I haven't heard you talk about it in a long time. Oh, I do use it. Not as much as I should. I need to get back into it. I love it. I do love it. I just, it's one of those things you need to, you need to have the motivation to get on the exercise bike. Yeah. But okay. So joining a gym. Joining a gym. So she told him no. And he insisted and said he would also like to buy them all new gym clothes. And she felt like he was being way too pushy and she was really turned off by it. She also said he was getting a little aggro about it. And that was the first time she had seen that side of him. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I can relate to Margie in this situation. I hated it when guys came on too strong back when I was dating, you know, when they were like, I like you a lot. I didn't like that. You like the hard to get type. Yeah. Yeah. I liked the jerks. You like the challenge. Uh Uh-huh. You want to change them. You want to make them a better person. Yeah. Thank the Lord she for met Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Oh, yes, God. yes. We were friends first. That's how he won me over. But yeah, no, normally I did not I did not like that nice guy thing. Okay. So Margie started giving Sean the cold shoulder. And he took that in a real strange way. A few days after the incident at the gym, Margie came home to find that Sean had broken into her house. What? Yeah, and left new gym outfits hanging up for her and her daughters. Weird. Creepy, right? So she calls him immediately and says, like, what the fuck? He told her, what is the big deal? He had just broken in through the kitchen window, and he just wanted to surprise her. 
Margie's gut told her it was time to end things with Sean, and she did. She told him it was all too much. Apparently, he'd also been, like, inundating her with flowers and gifts. So she told him she just needed a break. Everything went back to normal, and she thought she had dodged a creep bullet before she got too invested in the relationship until a few weeks later, Sean left her a note at her house saying that she needed to call him back and it was urgent. So Margie gets roped in again on account of Sean telling her his daughter was killed by a drunk driver. Oh, goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. Margie being Margie could not help but getting sucked back in. Here she is thinking he's already lost his whole family in a plane crash and now losing his daughter. Margie sympathized with this, imagining it must be unbearable. So she went to go see him at his apartment. And when he came to the door, she says something really bothered her about how angry he seemed and her gut instinct was not to go inside and she didn't but when he called her a few days later talking about sending his daughter's body back to new zealand she got sucked back into the drama Mm. they started talking on the phone again regularly and that led to them seeing each other again regularly margie and sean continued to date each other for another year That's a long time. Yeah, it is. And according to Margie, there weren't any more giant red flags during this time. And she no longer had the, like, nagging, he's probably a creep vibe. So after dating a year, Sean proposed to Margie, and she accepted. Mm -hmm. The two married, and at Sean's insistence, they merged finances. Sean took over the bills, and Margie was fine with that. She trusted her new husband so much that she signed everything he put in front of her without giving it a second look. Okay? Okay. Listen. We can all take a lesson from Teresa Judice. Judice. You know who that is, Tab? You don't watch The Real Housewives. No, I know who she is, and I know she went to jail. Do not be signing everything, anything that your husband puts in front of you without reading it. Really? I'm sure you do that. I may be guilty of that. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Maybe all the time. Yeah. I trust my husband that much. Well, that's great. But And he's a real good person. He would never. He is a real good person. Yeah. I get it. Commit any fraud. But when you're like, let's say you are like a single mother with three daughters, newly married. And you've built your business. I would not. You cannot. No, I will not. No, 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 no. Okay. Maybe trust your husband on your first marriage, but I don't think you ever trust him on the second marriage, right? No, I don't think so. No. So these two are living in second marriage, marital bliss. Things were probably totally hot. I mean, from what I can tell, the girl's father shared custody. So... Every other week they weren't there. Yeah, so they have like lots of date nights probably, right? So all is good until one night one of Margie's girlfriends calls her up and tells her about a new television show. And guess what it was? What? Hallmark. (laughs) No, 
It was America's Most Wanted. Oh, shut the front door. He's on it. (laughs) Yeah. No way. (laughs) She thought Margie probably ought to tune in because a man featured on the show that was wanted for murder looked an awful lot like Margie's new husband. Oh, my God. So Margie turns on the television and she does see a resemblance to the wanted man, but she doesn't think it could be her, Sean Paul. Is it? What's his name? You know? Yes, I do know. That wasn't even this guy's name. His name was Paul Stephen Mack. And he was wanted for murder in Sacramento, California. And Hershon Paul was from New Zealand. (laughs) This guy, he had a fake accent. So the whole time, how would you fake that? I don't know. So she was pretty positive her friend had it wrong. Okay. So what do you think she did? Asked him. No, she did not ask him. And she did not call the police. She might be murdered if she asked him. Yeah. So she decided to look through some paperwork that he had at the house Mm -hmm. to verify that he was who he said he was. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. That's pretty smart. So she goes snooping. Side note. Can you believe that they've been together for like over a year? And he's talking in his New Zealand accent. And this is the first time she snooped? I mean, come on. No. No. Snoop right away. Okay. Okay. So when she went snooping, what she found was some documents about his daughter's death, but the dates on the documents were wrong and none of the documents had like any state seals. And she was with it enough to know that these were fake documents. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Margie thought to herself, well, that's weird that these documents are obviously fake. I wonder why he has fake documents. So for sure you think at this point she called the police, right? I mean, if you think your husband's on America's Most Wanted. No. I mean, she's telling herself. I, I understand. She's, tell, she's trying to tell herself that this cannot be true. Right. Okay. So she waited for him to come home. And then she confronts him. Oh. She says, what's up with the fake documents? And he is really quick to explain it all away. He told her that, oh, the hospital must have mixed things up. And he actually called the hospital in front of Margie. And she recalls that they told him that if he sent them a letter with proof, they would make changes to any mistakes on his documents. So you probably think Margie was like, okay, show me the proof you are going to send the hospital so you have legit documentation. But no, she did not do this. She thought seeing him call the hospital in front of her was enough. So she he just. He could just be calling anybody. He probably, it was probably like a freaking rotary dial phone. Yeah. Yeah. So, so she just let it go and went back to business as usual. But as time went on, she began to have a nagging feeling that something did not add up about Sean's past. And there was still this weird thing about his resemblance to the guy on America's Most Wanted in the back of her head. So I've gone back real far in documents, not just yeah, the first thing that you open. Right? So she decided to hire a private investigator. Okay, I like that idea. Okay. So the PI told her he charged $1,500 and he needed Sean's social security number to investigate him. 
Like that's a lot of money. And in ni- it's a lot of money now. And in yeah. 1988, that's a lot of money, okay? So Margie's in a bit of a pickle because remember, she gave Sean control of her finances. Yeah, so how does she get that money out? You know how oh, she gets yeah. it out? I'm going to tell you something. She did something very out of character. She lied to him. She told him that. To um to get the money. The husband. Yeah, to her husband. But she you know told- what you can do? What? Just side note real quick. Yeah. When you go to the grocery store, if your husband gives you like, I don't know, $200 a week for groceries. Yeah. You can, or say they don't. Yeah. So whatever. If you have any kind of allowance, you can just get those gift cards, like this American Express gift card. And then they wouldn't even know that you spent it on like a credit card for yourself. Oh, interesting. And you can start adding like the way your shady brain thinks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, she told him that her friend needed surgery and that she needed to help him out. Oh, well, that's nice, kind-hearted. Yeah. Well, and he agreed. Oh, he did. Yeah, he did. He agreed. So next she needed his social security number. So she waited until he fell asleep, and then she snuck into his wallet to look for his social security guard, which is, like, so weird. Remember, people used to, like, carry them around with them. I know. It's really weird. Do you know when you get the new California ID, the real ID, you have to have your social security card? So um, we got to talk about that later because I don't even know how to deal with that. Okay. We'll talk okay. about it later. Anyways, while she's in his wallet, she finds two social security numbers. Oh. Mm-hmm. Both so with she, his name on it? No. So she copied down both numbers. Okay. Okay. She gave the numbers and the $1,500 to the private investigator, and he got back to her right away and told her, guess what? Those social security numbers you gave me both belong to dead people. Ooh. Yeah. I hope that this private investigator gave her her $1,500 back because as far as I can tell, this is like all he did for her. That's all he did? Run those numbers? You could do that yourself. Yeah. So anyways, you think Margie called the police now, right? I would hope so. No. No, she didn't. She waited for Sean to get home and then she said, hey, honey, your work called. And they said they needed your social security number. So I went into your wallet and I found two cards. And Sean told her, well, sometimes I carry my sons with me. And he also told her something like, woman, you best start staying out of my business. I'm getting real annoyed with this shit. Yeah, hello. Yeah. And he gathered up all of his papers and he put them in a locked briefcase. She's an idiot. Yeah. Well, she knew the combination. (laughs) He's not that much of an idiot, I guess. Okay. She felt like there was some kind of mystery that she needed to uncover about Sean's past. And it must be in those papers because he did not want her anywhere near them. Okay. So when Sean was gone, Margie opened the briefcase and took pictures of all his documents with her film camera. (laughs) Right, so 1988, right? Like she probably took him to like a photo mat in the Kmart parking lot to get developed. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. If you're too young to know what that is, Google photo mat. So while she's waiting to get her film developed and figure things out, she's starting to get a little creeped out and scurred. She thinks Sean might be onto her being suspicious of him and... 
It's making her nervous. But she does her best to keep up the charade that all is good and nothing is weird about things not adding up, about your life story, and your whole family is dead, so no one can verify anything about your past, and you strongly resemble someone that is wanted for murder on America's Most Wanted. It's, oh, okay. Okay. And (laughs) she's also sort of seen glimpses of him being aggro and creepy. But she's playing it cool. Okay. She's keeping up the charade, but not to the point where she was going to, like, lock the door on a Saturday morning. Okay? Okay. You know what I mean? Yes. She was over that until she got some answers. So she pulled the, I got a headache card. Okay? Lots of headaches. Lots of headaches. Right? So Sean was, like, sick of that. And he said, guess what, baby? I got a pill for that. And she really didn't want to take it, but she did. The pill? Yeah. The Advil? Yeah. In in quotation? In- yeah. And whatever it is, it made her violently ill and confused. From her drug days, she remembers him picking her up off the bathroom floor and putting in her in bed and momentarily feeling like, oh, he's like, taking care of me and feeling like it was going to be okay. But then she remembers like kind of coming in and out of consciousness and realized that he was on top of her raping her. She said she was terrified because it was happening and she felt paralyzed. She says she couldn't even scream. She had no control. So what was it? A roofie? I don't know. And she never like, She didn't go to the police again? No. And, well, she, yeah, she, I mean, eventually she kind of does, but she didn't report this. Not that Yeah, but this coming in and out of consciousness and feeling like you have no control of your body, I mean, this is, like, symptomatic of every other rapist that we've talked about, Danny Masterson, Lester, like, everybody describes the same thing. So when she woke up in the morning, she was left with this crazy recollection of the night, and she was bruised and sore and angry. So she goes downstairs and just like every other morning before Sean would leave for the day, he drank a glass of orange juice. And you know what he did with that glass? What? He left it on the table. Every morning? Well, yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, yeah, there is not a man out there that knows how to put a dish in the sink. True. I don't think. Okay. So... She got an idea. She remembers that the police can get fingerprint information off of glassware. So she took out some rubber gloves and a plastic bag and carefully put the bag, the glass in the bag. And she took it down to the police station. Finally. Finally. Amen. Louise. She told the police that she doesn't think her husband is who he says he is. She says that at the time, she was worried that they would not take her seriously and that they would just think she was like some overbearing wife. Cuckoo bananas. Yeah. (laughs) So at this point, I want to say that I think it's really sad that often as women, we are conditioned not to trust ourselves and speak up. And I know I've been throwing some shade at Margie for so blindly trusting Sean Paul, but I am emphasizing all the times that she acted so naively because I just think it's important for all of us to trust our own feelings 
and with our partners to like trust but verify. Margie made the same kind of mistakes that many of us have made at one point in our lives. I certainly have, like really, okay? And I think her sharing her story and including all the mistakes that she made along the way so honestly is incredibly brave. She wrote a book about it. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it makes her sound real dumb. So it's real brave. It is, yeah. Yeah. It's like that movie too, In Plain Sight or... Oh, Abducted in Plain Sight. I know. People throw so much shade at that dude. And I'm like, no, I think it's Listen, they came out. And we're all going to learn from it. Yeah. Yeah, It's true. Okay. So back to the police station where Margie thinks the police won't take her seriously. She was wrong. They took her very seriously. They ran the fingerprints from the glass she brought with her. And they told her her husband was Paul Stephen Mack from America's Most Wanted. They told her in depth about his crimes, and I looked them up, so I'm going to tell you about what a sick fucker Paul Stephen Mack is. I want to hear. Okay. He first got on police radar after he was suspected of strangling a 19-year-old Annette Huddle, whose body he left floating in a river. There wasn't enough evidence to connect him, so although he was strongly suspected, he was never charged with that murder. The next time he was wanted by police was when he poisoned, raped, and stuffed the body of Karen Winslet in a car and left her, left, you know, the body stuffed in the car in a motel parking lot. After that murder, he fled from Sacramento to Utah. So reading through the case against Paul Stephen Mack for the murder of Karen Winslet, a couple of things stood out to me. First of all, how he roped this poor young girl in was he told her he was a photographer and he was going to pay her $5,000 for a photo shoot. According to her fiance, she was really excited about this. Next, what he drugged her with was Percodan, which is unusual because that's like not your typical date rape drug, but According to her autopsy, she had more than 25 times the normal amount in her system. Whoa. And this is what the coroners ruled was actually her cause of death. Overdose. Yeah. Where he got the Percodan is also interesting. He was getting a prescription refilled regularly from his dentist. Tooth pain. Is Percodan, it's like Yeah, Percocet? like get a root canal. Like how many times can a dentist like refill your Percodan prescription? Let me tell you. There's some shady story there. I knew somebody that always had tooth pain also to get Vicodin. Don't they just make you come in? You would think. You would think, right? Okay. Also, his barber testified at the trial. Apparently, he missed his standing appointment the day of the murder. Apparently, he had a standing appointment five days a week. So to get his hair done. So I took a real good look at his hair. Oh, that's so weird. (laughs) So weird, right? Yeah. I mean, from what I can tell, it looks like he got his mullet fluffed. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he got a shave. You know, they shave at the barber too. I mean, yeah. There was something else going at the barber. Five days a week. You're not getting your hair done. high maintenance. Okay. Yeah. There's something else going on at the barber shop. Mm Mm-hmm. 
there's something else that is actually really tragic, and that is that Karen Winslet left a note for her fiance saying that she was going on a photo shoot and she was scared to go alone and she wished that he could have gone with her. Oh my God. Yeah. She had this intuition and it sucks because there's so many times where we all have these intuitions and we just, you know, most of the time they're false, right? But Maybe we could have been that dumb when we were 20 and someone said they were going to pay us $5,000. We would have been like, of course they want to because we're young and And cute. cute. Yeah. Oh, and you, you know, you can't go with me. Well, I still want to go. I know. Yeah. Yeah. You got to trust your gut. Oh, that's so unfortunate. So sad. Okay. So back at the police station, Margie is learning all about Paul Stephen Max real history and police tell her they want her to go get her children and get out of town. They tell her it will take them all night to get a team together to come and arrest him, which I don't like I don't really get. First of all, they have to get a warrant for his arrest at their location. They have to probably put a SWAT team together because they're I mean he's on America's yeah. most wanted. They yeah. don't want to they need to do everything right in order for them to convict him so that he doesn't get off on some crazy, you know, mishap. Well, yeah. So that's a situation. So Margie sent her daughters to their father's house for the night, but she argued with the police that if she didn't go home for the night and act normal, that he would suspect something and probably run away before they could get him. And so that's what she did. She went home and did her best to act normal And she said she went to bed first. And she said, of course, she did not sleep like at all. And she could feel him just standing over her, watching her. Why? He was probably probably suspicious. I mean, she's been, you know, snooping around and. Oh, yeah. And she sent her kids away. Hello. He just like violently raped her. And she's acting like, oh, everything's normal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, okay. She's catching on to me. So at 6 a.m., the police came and banged on the door. And wouldn't you know, when Paul Stephen Mack heard that loud early morning knock, he did not go downstairs and see who it was. (laughs) He just (laughs) put some pants on and jumped out the freaking window. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. And he got away. He led police on a high-speed chase for a while. And they finally cut him off. And he couldn't escape. And he was finally taken into custody. So Margie was relieved, but unfortunately, the nightmare was not over for her. When she was able to start putting the pieces of her life back together, she discovered that he had ruined her financially. Well, that's no surprise. No surprise. And on top of that, Paul Stephen Mack continued to call her from jail, telling her he's innocent and uh, he's coming back as soon as he gets this all cleared up. Oh, my God. Right? Change your number. Move. Right? Change your name. Right. I don't know when it was when you could first, like, block somebody's number. I have no idea, actually. But remember, there was, like, star 69. So there had to have been, like, a block, star something to block somebody. I don't know. Okay. So Margie says she was scared throughout the duration of the trial because he's so charming and convincing. And she was not sure that a jury would be able to convict him. But thankfully, they did. 
She was relieved that three years after meeting Paul Stephen Mack, he was sentenced to 27 years to life for the rape and murder of Karen Winslet. So after sentencing, Margie wanted some closure for herself. So she went down to the jail to speak to him face to face. And she looked him in the eye and told him she knows what he did and leave her alone. She said in response, he told her, no matter what, I am going to come back and see you one last time. Ew. Mm-hmm. So the first time he was eligible for parole was in 2013, and it was denied. And Margie said she spoke to the parole board and told them she was certain if he was released, he would kill again, and he was successfully denied parole. Since then, I found an article in the Sacramento Bee that was from 2017, and it said he was currently serving his time at the state prison in Stockton. Mm -hmm. I looked up his inmate status, and I couldn't find anything current. So he's either been released or dead. I couldn't find him on any, like, sex offenders list, though. So I think he's dead. It's real hard to find out if someone's dead. It is? Yeah. It's not like you can just go to, like, California.gov and type in there who died. You have to, like, request a death certificate. I didn't have time to do all that shit. Yeah. Okay. So as for Margie and her girls, I could not find them either. I mean, I'm thinking maybe they, you know, they changed their names and shit. Yeah, I would. Yeah. That would be smart. I just hope that they are wiped off of social media for reasons other than they have someone on the loose that they are afraid of. I mean, he would be like almost 70 now. So hopefully he's dead. And like I told you, she wrote a book in 2000 about her story, and it's called Tainted Roses. Tainted Roses. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that is a crazy story. I'm glad that nobody died, Gretchy. Well, some two girls did die. Okay, sorry. Not... Margie, Margie did daughter. die and her daughters. Yeah. But, you know what's crazy is she told her daughters like that next day after he got arrested, mm-hmm. she sat them down and said, hey, stepdaddy. Murdered somebody? Murdered somebody. You know, this guy, I think you have to have three murders to be considered a serial killer. But I bet you he was on the way to killing her, Margie. Oh, for sure. And I'll bet he's, he had probably gotten away with another. There's probably more. I think so, too. Yeah. I have this weird sneaking suspicion that maybe he didn't just kill just two girls. Yeah. Yeah, what a creep. Mm-hmm. And how did they give him only 27 to life? Hello. It needed to be life in prison. Life and life. That's it. I know. And... Was he not ever convicted for raping her? She didn't ever. He was convicted for rape and murder. Yeah. No, but not He a, only got 27 to Margie. life because they ruled the cause of death was the poisoning from the Percodan. So it wasn't like he stabbed her to death or something. He might not have intentionally killed her, but once she was dead after he raped her, he shoved her body in a trunk and abandoned it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Weird. Still. Still. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is a uh, interesting story, Gretch. Thanks for that. I'm glad they found him. America's Most Wanted. Could you imagine getting that call? Hello, your husband is. I missed that show. It's not still on. No. Are you sure? 
I don't think so. I don't think it's on anymore. Shout outs. We have we some have, shout outs. Uh, we have a lot of shout outs. Michigan Chrissy, best podcast ever. Oh, God bless you. That's so nice. She says she gets in her car in the morning with her coffee and listens to the stories. Well, thank goodness we drink coffee daily too. Brooke, 052718. Great podcast. They tell great stories and a good job on their research and fun to listen to. Well, thank you for listening. Stacy from Alabama. It's her favorite podcast. Oh, it better Stace. be. Thanks, Stace. It only took you uh, like eight months. Oh, to- yeah. And this one too. <laughs> Rebecca Balmer. Rebecca, thanks for always being such an amazing listener. Yeah. Idaho Heidi. Idaho, Utaho Heidi. Idaho. <laughs> she loves these ladies. Thanks. Gretchen and Tabs. Fun to listen to. It's like chatting with your besties. Well, you're our bestie too, Heidi. Kayla Mori. What? Kayla Mori. Kayla Mori. Everybody calls Kyla my daughter Kayla. It's a good name. We're funny. Edibulis. Edibulis. Love this show. Did we do that one yet? Thanks. No, I don't think so. And ZKB12. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for great. Awesome. Twin Mama. Another Twin Mama. Twin Mama. We love that. Do we have more? Try Livey. Yeah. Try Livey. I think. And we did a, a Silva already, yeah? Mm, maybe, maybe. Maybe not. But anyways, a Silva. You guys. Thanks for the review. Those are awesome reviews. If you haven't reviewed us yet, please do. We want to get up on the charts. And the only way to do it is get reviews. Yeah, thanks. And listens and downloads. And if yeah. you guys want to hear more of us, we're on Himalaya. Download the app and become a member and use code HOUSEWIVES for your first month free. And it's $4.99 after that. And you get to hear us spill our guts. Get a bonus crime every month. Yes, we spill our guts every week and then we can give you a bonus crime. Yeah. It's fun. It is fun. It's light and light. Mm-hmm. Light and light. Mm-hmm. That's it. Clink, clink, guys. Clink, clink. Guys, I have two podcasts to recommend this week. Both of them are a little deeper, not so lighthearted as ours, but I know you guys like that sometimes. So I wanted to tell you about Invisible Choir, choir like a singing choir. They go into pretty heinous murders and they do a more investigative storytelling using audio, victim testimonials, and they bring voices to the voiceless and visibility to the invisible. Check them out, Invisible Choir. Also, another one is called Morbidology. This one also goes real deep into very heinous murders. So if you're into that type of thing, check them out. It's called Morbidology. Emily Thompson also does some investigative research, combining 911 calls, interviews, and trial testimony to take a real deep dive into these crazy, crazy cases. So check that out if you guys are interested in more 